All right. Who's been enjoying the, um, the series of Luke that we've been doing this year? A few of you? A few of you? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, so I really love it because we get to see three different revelations of what I guess Holy Spirit talks to us through a piece of scripture. Um, I think that's awesome because I'll get up and preach. Keith is preaching at um, Activate North, and then we've got Kathan speaking tonight. They're going to be three completely different messages, and I think that's the beautiful thing that we get out of this series is that we get one passage, but you get three different revelations out of it. And I think that's awesome. And so we're going to get straight into it. And today we're going from the book of, obviously the book of Luke, we're going from chapter 8 from verse 26. And it's a bit of a long passage, so you're going to have to bear with me. And I'm reading from NLT if you want to follow along. It's a bit of an interesting passage. It's about a demon-possessed man. And so all the people that brought their friends for the first time are going, oh no. (laughs) No, it's all right. It's all right. All right. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes across the Lake of Galilee. This is straight after um, what we read last week with Pastor Sheridan when he was talking about the storm in the lake. This is directly after. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with me? Jesus, son of the most high God. Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit had often taken control of the man Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, They fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and then they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed, perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone, for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home saying, No. Go back to your family 
and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. That's a packed piece of scripture, right? There's a lot in there. So we see Jesus come across the other side of the lake and he lands in the, he goes in the land of the Gerasenes. And then what happens is this demon possessed man who's naked runs out of the tombs and gets down on his knees in front of Jesus and says, don't torture us. Who knows that Jesus doesn't torture people? Yeah. So we see Jesus, uh, we see Jesus now asking, what is your name? And the man says, Legion. And so I'll cover that a bit later. And so what happens after that is Jesus casts out the demons into the pigs and the pigs kill themselves by running off a cliff. <laughs> I remember I was talking with um, Pastor Sheridan before he left to Australia and he goes, Jay, you should name your message Jesus rocks up into town and all the bacon's gone. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'll leave that one for him. But, so we see the pigs, we see the pigs kill himself. And then what, obviously the demon's in them. And then what happens after that is the now free man, we see him begging Jesus to go with him. And Jesus says, no, I need you to stay with your family and tell everyone what God has done for you. And so for the first little bit of my message, I'm just going to talk around the spiritual realm and demons. And it's something that's not talked about a lot in, in church now. But I, I really want to cover this because I want us to walk out of this place not feeling afraid of demons, but I want us also not to be naive. We have to realize that there is a spiritual realm and that demons do exist. And it's in Scripture, but also... We see in the scripture that we just read that the demons were afraid of Jesus and we have Jesus living in us. So we don't need to be afraid, but we do have to be aware of them. So we see the pig incident indicates pretty vividly and even tragically that how dangerous the forces of evil are, how dangerous they can be. And to give you a bit of context, the flock of pigs, there's 2,000 in the story that we read that kill themselves. In our day today, 2,000 pigs is worth about $10 million. And so in the story, we see the townspeople wanting Jesus out. They told Jesus to leave. And there's a few reasons why I believe that happened. But one of the reasons is Jesus just cast the demons out into the pigs. That's a lot of their economy gone. A lot of them would have been bankrupt after that encounter. And so we see Jesus casting those demons out into the pigs and the presence of evil and the demonic should not be taken lightly. A lot of the time we can play with it and even going into Halloween now, we can play with it. All that Halloween is is just a celebration of the demonic. And we actually have the incredible privilege, as was said before by Ray, that we get to do these light parties to open up a space for our community to come into the presence of Jesus on a night that celebrates the devil. And that's awesome. So I encourage you to get involved in that little plug. So the spiritual realm exists. Angels and demons operate in the spiritual realm. And I've talked to many Christians before, and there's a few kind of stages of belief when it comes to demons from what I've noticed. is Some people I've talked to go, no, Jay, demons don't exist. Some people would go, yeah, they existed when Jesus was alive, but now they don't. And then obviously there are people 
which go, yes, they believe, full stop. I want us all to walk out of this place going, yes, they believe, so we can stand our guard, but also going, I'm not afraid because I've got Jesus in us. We cool? We're all good? Awesome. So in Ephesians 6.12, let's get biblical because that's always good. It says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. John 10.10 also says, The thief's, Satan, purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. My purpose, God, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So scripture even talks about how real the demonic is and also the angels. And I believe that Jesus probably performs this incident, as maybe we would call it, to demonstrate in a painful manner how actually the presence of evil can result uh, in death. And we see the pigs dying. This reminds us of how the presence of sin is so real in humanity, in the human race, and how we needed Jesus to come as a saviour and die on the cross for us so that we can be set free of this thing, just as this man was in the passage we read. And we really deal with a lot of demonic stuff in the Western world, you know. We can often um, hear about the crazy stories in Africa and all those third world sort of countries where you hear about these crazy manifestations happening at services and a lot of that sort of stuff all the time. We don't see that in the Western world, right? We, it's very rare to see that sort of stuff these days. And I was asking the Holy Spirit, Why? Why is it happening so much over there but not here? And this is what I felt Holy Spirit say. I, I, I heard him, well, I felt like I heard him say a couple of questions, which was this. First of all, do we underestimate its presence? And second of all, or does Satan have less need to manifest himself openly in a culture that denies his existence? I'd say it's a bit of both, to be honest with you. And, and we can often, we can often um, find ourselves when we're playing with that sort of stuff. And I encourage you, don't play with it, but don't be afraid of it. The scripture makes it clear that we live in a fallen world and it's still influenced by the presence of sin and Satan. And it won't be until Jesus returns that it will change. That's how it is. Uh, a story of how real the, the demonic is, I had an encounter when I was in America once. Um, I was in America for a school of evangelism and I was in a mall. And this might be a bit like kind of, uh, this, this is a bit, I guess, scary as you'd say. And so just, just warning you. Um, I had an experience in a mall where I was sharing the gospel. I was at a school of evangelism. And so what do you do at a school of evangelism when you've got breaks? You go and tell people about Jesus. Only makes sense, right? And so I was telling people about Jesus in a mall with a few others, and we split up to cover the mall so we could get Jesus into the whole place. And so what happened was I was going up to a couple of guys, and they were six foot six sort of two, pretty scary looking guys anyway. What happens? They were probably about, as far away from the camera as to me. 
And what happened was I suddenly hear them go, you beeping preacher white boy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was crapping myself. Sorry. So what happens? Think of camera to me. We, I start to see those guys start running at me. What do I do? Ah! <laughs> I'm running through the mall like chaotic trying to find all my other friends. Help! <laughs> what happened was I found my friends. I found Daz, Daz Chittle, you might know him and stuff. They're like, what the heck are you doing? There were no people chasing me. That was people in the spiritual realm and I believe that was demons trying to scare me and take me off my guard. That's a pretty crazy encounter, but it's, it's, it's quite interesting because when we let fear creep in, it shows the power that they can have. But what happens is we see Jesus in the story. He, the demons know who he is. Who remembers last week's sermon with um, Pastor Sheridan? He was talking about how Jesus is Lord and how we can often come to this side where Jesus is friend and Jesus is saviour and it's all beautiful. But when we come to this area, we try and avoid it a little bit more a lot of the time in the Western world when it's Jesus is Lord of my life. He's the ruler of my life, right? And so what happens is the demons knew who Jesus was. They knew that he was Lord, that he had all authority and power over them. And so we see that. In this, this, in this story, it's a bit of an um, overt case because Jesus says, what is your name to the, de- the demon? And it replies, legion. Legion actually means a couple, uh, a th- uh, sorry, thousands of soldiers and in fact, if you look back further, it actually specifically says 6,000 soldiers. So we look at the passage and there's 2,000 pigs. This man was probably possessed by at least 2,000 demons, maybe even up to 6,000 based on its name. This is a big case. Like you don't find that many demons normally in a person. And so we have authority because of Holy Spirit in us to be able to cast out demons. We shouldn't be afraid. Why? Because we have Jesus living in us, the guy that the demons are afraid of. And in fact, a story around that, I had one, another demonic um, uh, encounter, but this one it was slightly different. This time I was actually at a playground and it was quite beautiful. Muller's not here. Muller just had a second baby, which is so awesome, eh? And so what happened was well, they just got news that they couldn't have a baby at all. This was a few years back before they had Alexi. And what happened was we were at the park and Muller was absolutely, you know, horrified. He was so, so gutted. And I just felt Holy Spirit say, you need to clear that Muller is going to have a baby. So we literally, like absolute weirdos, just start shouting out in the middle of a park, Gabby is pregnant! Like it was weird. But anyway, a week later, Gabby was pregnant. So that, that was pretty awesome. There was a bit of a story behind it. And so there were a few of us there. But what happened in that, that time, we actually saw a few demons. And I saw a demon right in front of me. And it was kind of like a, it was just, it was an interesting experience. But it was like a figure and it had fear written all over it. And it was the, it was the spirit of fear. 
And what was so funny was I looked at it and I said, go away in Jesus' name. And the spirit of fear was afraid itself and it ran away. It fleed. So when we stand our ground and we realize that we've got the light in us, that we've got Jesus in us, they can't touch us. You know, we don't need to be afraid of them. So be encouraged by that. We don't need to be afraid of it. So we see Jesus displaying this great miracle by casting out the demons and setting them free. And I'm going to take a little bit of a turn from that whole side of things. And do you guys want to hear some wonderful news? Who's given their lives to Jesus here? Some people didn't put their hands up. We'll pray for you later. Who gave their lives, who's given their lives to Jesus here? Who's in a relationship with God? Come on. Well, guess what? You guys have been set free. That's awesome. That's something to celebrate. And so uh, we may not have been possessed by a demon, but if we've given our lives to Jesus, we have been set free. And so I believe that this passage, and the reason why Luke recorded it, because we've seen many demon possessions uh, previous in Scripture. Of, uh, I was, and I was wondering, why would Luke record this one? I believe one big reason is because I think that this passage isn't necessarily just about demon possession and someone being set free from that but more of a liberation of a soul and being free. And so I want to talk around that and how we can, um, I guess, act on that on behalf of others and be a witness. So the story is an incredible demonstration of Jesus leaving the 99 for the one, which is said in Luke 15, 4. And the love of God for one broken person is outrageous, right? It's outrageous. It's beyond even thinkable. We can't imagine how much he loves us. It's that much. And I'm going to plug Kathan's sermon tonight a bit, which is awesome of me. You, should, you guys should totally come tonight because Kathan's speaking and it's going to be awesome. And so basically a little bit of his message is going to be a little bit around, um, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> He's going to be talking around um, how Jesus, all that we know of based on Scripture, is that Jesus went to the other side of that lake just for that one man. We don't see any other reason in that Scripture why he went to the other side of the lake. So all that we know is that he went to that other side of the lake for one person. And so that's a beautiful picture of Jesus leaving the 99 for the one. Here's some good news, but also some scary news for some people maybe. We've been set free, but I believe that Jesus has not just set us free for a relationship. Absolutely, he has. But hear me when I say that. But I believe that he, has set us, he hasn't set us free for comfort. He has set us free for purpose. In verse 38 and 39, we see the man now he's wanting to go with Jesus. He said, Lord, can I go with you? And Jesus replies, no, go back to where you came from and tell your family what God has done for you. He said, go, go, great commission, go. We can live a comfortable, easy Christian life waiting to get to heaven one day. But Holy Spirit and Jesus, in, in this passage, I believe that He set us free 
not so that we can just get to heaven, so that heaven can get into us right here, right now, and that we can release it to the, uh, to the people around us. We can release it to the places we go. We can release the kingdom. We have been set free for purpose. I like to put our job description as Christians this way. First of all, people that love Jesus. First and foremost, we're a Christian, man, we got to love Jesus. Number one. Number two, got to love others. Got to love others. Number three, make the devil's day hell for him every day. I believe that is the job description as a Christian. Love God, love others, and make the devil's day hell for him. That is what I believe, and we can do that. And Jesus said to the man, no, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. When Jesus tells us go, we need to make ourselves a witness, not a preacher. We can hear all the time. I've probably said it a lot. Actually, I have said it a lot. I can admit that. We all good here? I'm going to take a drink. Are we all good? Yeah, we all good. I was going to tell one of my dad's jokes, but that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> Ask me later if you want to. All right. So we see, we, so Jesus told the man to go back and tell his, uh, tell his family and people what he has done for him. And we need to make ourselves a witness, not a preacher. We can hear uh, a lot of people, including myself, say, you got to preach the gospel. You know, as a Christian, you have to preach the gospel. Really all that saying, that's just a technical way of saying we have to be a witness. We have to be a witness. You know, we can often look at that um, sort of quote and um, go, I'm not called to be a preacher. That's not for me. But no, it's just a technical way of saying we are called to be a witness. We need to be a witness. We need to go and tell people what God has done for us, for us, what God has done for us. And if, I just want to encourage you, if you feel like you don't have a testimony, God has set you free. That is the greatest testimony of all. We have the greatest news in the world. Gospel means good news. And we have the greatest news that we could tell anybody. By the way, that communion message was so awesome, Cornel. Why don't we give her a hand? She basically preached my whole message. <laughs> that was so good. But we, we uh, need to become a witness because when we become a witness and tell our story, people can't argue with that. People can't debate with our experience. But if you become a preacher, uh, people can debate with your theology all day long. People can argue with your theology, but if we come from a point of view of testimony and what God has done for us as Jesus is telling this man to do, people can't argue with that. Oh, well, that didn't happen to you, Jay. Of course it did. You can't tell me it didn't. <laughs> that happened to me, you know? We need to be witnesses. Uh, I remember when I was in America, again, um, the hotel I was staying at while I was in Orlando for School of Evangelism, there was a... Um, what do you call the guys who like open the door for you and they take your suitcase and everything? What, what do you call those? Bustlers, whatever. Anyway, so they're one of those guys. 
Um, and every single day, I'd go down in the morning to go to, to the school, and I'd have a chat with him, and I'd just tell him, tell him some stuff that God's done in my life. And he, he wasn't very interested on the first day, but I kept being a witness every day and every night, every morning, every night, when I'd be leaving the hotel and coming back, I'd go to him, hey man, and have a chat with him again and again and again. Four days later, he gave his life to Jesus. And that's just from being a witness. I didn't have to talk about any crazy fancy theology or any super fancy stuff. I literally just told him what God's done in my life and what God can do for him, you know? So we got to become a witness. If we want to go as Jesus tells us to, and be a witness effectively and be a representative of Jesus well. We need to first of all love Him. We need to be absolutely in love with Jesus. We need to be obedient to the call of God on our lives as Christians. And that is the Great Commission. Go into all the nations and baptise people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go into all the nations and make disciples. We need to be obedient to that call. And I, I'm fu- fully convinced, try and convince me not, but I am fully convinced that people don't believe in Jesus, not because of a lack of evidence, but because of a lack of obedience from the church. We need to step out and we need to be obedient on the call of our lives, and we need to be witnesses to the people around us. We cool? We good? The number one key to being a witness is being in love with Jesus. We need to adore Jesus. Remember when I told you to look at your neighbor's eyes? I need you to do that again now. Stare at their eyes awkwardly and make it really awkward. Now, I want you to find the reflection in, in your neighbor's eyes. <laughs> this is getting really awkward. I can see some people's faces. You found your, your reflection in their eyes? Okay, don't trust me. There's something good coming out of this, okay? I'm not just making you do some random stuff. All right. <laughs> so God, this is the same thing with God and being a witness, right? One of the key things to being a witness is being in love with Jesus and keeping our attention and focus on Him. And the thing is, when God looks at us, I'm saying it wrong. I'll restart that. When God is looking into our eyes, He won't see His reflection if we're not looking back at Him. Suddenly, try look at your neighbor's eyes with the other person looking away now. You won't see it, right? You have to be looking at each other. We have to have our eyes locked on God for God to see himself in us. That is the key to being a great witness. We need to keep our eyes, our attention, our adoration completely on Jesus. There was one time when I took my eyes off God a bit and I actually didn't ask Kathan if I can share the story, but I'm going to anyway. Sorry, Kathan, I love you. Um, and so basically we ran a healing group at our school, at Hamilton Boys High School. And it was awesome. We were seeing some really cool healings. And what happened was one day we got shut down. And in fact, we got shut down by the school chaplain, the lady who probably should have been supporting us the most because we were like seeing people saved and seeing people healed. Like, it's awesome. But I actually, looking back, I'm fully convinced that actually it was Holy Spirit that did that. 
Why would he shut it down? Because it was actually going to a point, and I admit it, where I believe that Kathan and I were starting to take our eyes off God and on ourselves and go, look how awesome we are. We're running this awesome group and seeing people's broken legs healed. We are so cool. And that I seriously believe that Holy Spirit did that because as soon as it shut down, we had to drop the pride off and we had to realign our focus on God. And so seriously, it's really important and it's so key to being a great witness. If we want to go and witness effectively, we need to first of all love Jesus We need to second of all, be like him whenever, wherever. And we need to third, keep our eyes locked on him. Adoration is the key. Jesus died on a cross for us so that we could be in relationship with him. But not only that, he died on a cross for us so that we would know how valuable we are. Our value comes from the cross, from what Jesus did from us. I, I like to sing the song, and I said in the first gathering, my parents probably get a little bit annoyed at it now because I always mention it. And in fact, my mum's at the point where she sings my lyrics now. Yes! So anyway, you know the song where it goes, And I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. We all know that song? So I often sing it like this. And I need to know. Need to know. I need to know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. Why do I need to know? Because that's where my value comes from. My value is determined by the cross. And if I don't know my value, I'm not going to know other people's value. And so when I know what God thinks of me and how much He paid for me, I know how much He paid for Ella. I know the, the worth of Ray. I know the, the value of other people because there's no favoritism when it comes to God. He loves us all equally. So if I know how valuable I am because of the cross, I know how valuable everybody else is and I can't hold that back. I have to be a witness to people because if I know how valuable I am, how the heck am I going to hold that to myself? Yeah? So we need to know what Jesus did on the cross for us so we know how valuable we are. Man, it stirs me. Oh, yeah, come on. I want, to, I want to finish off with a challenging thought from the passage we just read. And we see in the passage, Jesus go into the town and they tell him to leave after the whole incident with the pigs and the man and so on. Here's a challenging thought, and I want you to think about this. What would your response be if Jesus comes into town, hangs out with the one person you really don't like, and like he's weird, and that guy is set completely free, but on the other hand, because he was set free, you became bankrupt. What would your response be? Would it be to welcome and embrace the man in Jesus and say, come on, I'm with you, welcome. Or would you go, Jesus, go away, go away. I, I, I would imagine my 
human mind would go, get out of here, God. You made me bankrupt. But I believe and I pray that as Christians, we openly embrace that person who was set free and Jesus completely. Romans 8, 38 to 39 says, And I am convinced that nothing, nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sun and the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate us. You know, we're filled with light. When Holy Spirit enters us, we are filled with light. And the demons see that and they flee. They flee at the sight of light. And it's not us. It's Holy Spirit. It's God. Why don't we stand, church? I'd love to pray for us to finish off and then give anyone an opportunity to respond to Jesus. Why don't you just open up your arms or your hands, however you like to encounter God. Jesus, I thank you so much that you died on a cross for us and that nothing can separate us from your love. Absolutely nothing. God, I just thank you for a revelation for, of that to fill each spirit and heart in this place right now. God, that nothing can separate us from your love. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you touch your people right now. A fresh encounter of love right now through this room in Jesus' name. God, I pray for any fear, especially around the demonic, to break off right now in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, that we can stand firm knowing that You are Lord, that You live inside of us and that we don't need a fear. God, in any fear, fear of man around being a witness, about telling people what God has done for us. Holy Spirit, I pray that You break that off right now in Jesus' Name. God, reveal our value. God, I pray for a revelation of the cross for every person in here that we can know how much You paid for us so that we know our value. And God, I pray that You stir our hearts. God, that this isn't just for evangelists, but this is for all of us. God, stir our hearts that when we know our value, we can't do anything but share it with other people. Holy Spirit, encounter your people. 
pray for an encounter of your love. God, I thank you that in Jeremiah 28, it says that the righteous are as bold as lions. And Lord, I thank you that it doesn't come from a personality type, but it comes by salvation. Lord, that we are bold for you.